Welcome into the Nebraska 24-7 podcast. Uh, this is take number seven. Uh, apparently that's what we've arrived on with starting the podcast instead of pet talk or whatever else it is that we do. We're just going to brunt in a very loud voice, let you know that it's time for the Nebraska 24-7 podcast. I'm joined by Brunts again this week. He missed last week. He sat it out. Apparently didn't want to talk Nebraska football with the rest of us. NBC. You better have a good excuse, Brunts. I could have brought the screaming baby on the podcast. That would have been a first. That would have been a first. There have been no babies on the podcast. There's been dogs. Yes. There's been Mario Verduzco. Yes. There's been coworkers. Barton there. Simmons was on there. Yeah. Yep. yep. And Kevin Ryan. Yep. Uh, but to my knowledge, no babies this, have been on the podcast. This is a baby-free podcast. I'm okay with keeping it that way. No offense to uh I have no offense your taken whatsoever. Yeah. So... Do you think she'd have any thoughts on this new Nebraska era? I feel like she'd be pretty positive overall about the direction of Nebraska under Scott Frost based on the first week of practice. She likes the retention. <laughs> she, she doesn't really have much of a frame of reference for the spring, but she really likes the cut of their jib. Is Maurice Washington her favorite player based on the early reports from practice? <laughs> she She's buying the hype. There's a lot of she hype. Is, she is uh, buying up all of the Maurice Washington stock that she can get her tiny little hands on well that's exciting i mean it's good to have a favorite player 10 days into your your life i guess yes or 12 wherever we're at now uh, i believe 10 now all right well look at that i was on which is approximately the number of hours of sleep i've gotten since she's been away <laughs> since she's been alive oh this is great all right well there's there's plenty of stuff we want to get into and i'm sure we'll run long because we always run long but where do we want to start brian i mean do we want to jump into i I guess let me let me start it with this, and this is just my opinion on it. I've been kind of surprised by how positive everything has been coming out of camp so far. I don't know if I'm just ignorant a little bit. Well, I know I am, but I I didn't anticipate that there would be this much positivity about where they were at as a program. I thought it'd be a little bit more cautious tone. Like Mm -hmm. it's still a process, you know, we're still picking things up from the spring, but no, it's their full bore ahead. They're way ahead of where they were in the spring. Guys really did a great job in the summer. And there's, there's always some of that, but this has been almost, I wouldn't say over the top, but it's certainly not what I expected. Well, when you think about what they left in mid April, it's such a remodeling job that's gone on i mean it's amazing what's gone on since december but even in the last three to four months like the secondary competition is completely ramped up you know and so if you're eric chenander leaving the spring you're worried a little bit at that point you know you're looking at your corners you're saying oh we got two or three guys maybe but who's who's on the second line on the depth chart safety not a ton of options. You were worried about Aaron Williams' health at that point. And now I'm just using that position group because I think it's the prime example. You know, you, you bring in Trey Neal, who knows the defense. You bring in Will Jackson, who has apparently fit in as a worker. And then Cam Taylor, a true freshman who everybody's talking about. And at corner and safety, suddenly you're like, okay, that's you could probably form a decent two deep, maybe even a three deep. And so um, – there were probably some anxious moments where they're figuring out who do we get that can help us fill some holes for this first season in that secondary, and uh, it seems like they did a pretty good job. The, I guess it's been it's been surprising to me like the like I was expecting 
like similar tone to what they kind of left in April with, you know, having to improve, having to work. I, th- I think Eric Shenander coming right out of the shoots with just effusive praise for the secondary and the defense and how they did. I was, it was rocked you on your heels a little bit. Well, I understand that this time of year, this time of year, I mean, it's a lot of conjecture and you know hearsay it's, it's generally positive about the way things are going i mean i think that's just kind of the nature of the the calendar but you know i i just i just imagine that the staff would be kind of tamping that down You're a right. bit more because i mean the the reality is is you have this huge transition you've turned over a 30-year roster and you know I, it just feels like mm-hmm. that there's going to be you know I, i'm like waiting for scott frost on friday to come in and just be like no, it's terrible. Yeah. We're awful. Like, it, it's just it's been surprising early in fall camp to kind of have that much positivity about the way things are going, and it makes me skeptical. But then it's kind of like, well, holy crap! What if what if they are like? What if they they are a little bit out of schedule on mm-hmm. on this changeover? Yeah, I find myself talking in myself into this season in a different light based on some of the, and I I shouldn't. I know I shouldn't, but. When Javon DeWitt is mentioning how often he's seeing these guys get into the backfield, like how, and I joked about this the other day, the retention of everything, the retention of the defense and the knowledge there has been so good, and then combined with guys like Gifford that are working their way back and other guys that have shown to be maybe better than what was expected or better than they did in the spring, there's just so much, especially on the defense, where – the tone was always, yeah, we've got to get better. We've got to get better at this. We've got to do more of this. We have to – and it hasn't been that way at all. It's been we're really happy with how guys have come out and guys have worked. And guys worked over the summer and they proved that they were going to be ready to go. And, you know, we've got some young guys that are going to help us. But right now there's some veterans that aren't going to let that job go away. So it's been a really fascinating look to me because, like I said, I just fully expected it to be more of the – you know, we, we like where we're at, but we know there's a long way to go to where we need to be. Like, give me some doom and gloom, damn it. Yeah, I don't – It just the balloon just keeps <laughs> sailing up. Like, where's where's the ceiling on this thing? I, I expect it when it's a guy like Maurice Washington and everybody's sort of talked about him, and then he shows up and you kind of expect everybody to talk about him. Like, none of that surprises me. But the positivity from the coaches about where the defensive units are at really just caught me off guard a little bit. And then – you know, I, I only talked with Ryan Held and, and Becton today, and both of them were really uh, really happy with where their units were coming in from the the spring. So it's just a, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I was too prepared for it to be this tamped down thing and I wasn't expecting this, but... <laughs> give, me, give me some coach speak, come on. Right, yeah, I was just like, just tell me they're moving well out there or something, you certainly. know, like... certainly. It's just a, <laughs> or that so and so is a good football player. Like that's what I'm used to, you know. The rest of this is all just foreign to me. Or one of the uh, great stories Tom Osborne once said about a lineman. This is a Mike Babcock story. He asked about a lineman, and Tom Osborne said he's not the worst. <laughs> How do you like to be that guy? Um, I don't know. Makes who everybody else was, wonder so. who would be the worst, though, yeah. wouldn't it? Who is the worst? He knows it's not him. I do wonder though if part of this. I mean, think about when when they started here before the spring. You heard a lot of coaches say these guys got to find the love for the game again. You know, they 
they, they've lost it. You know, you go through a four and eight season, maybe you just don't feel about football the way you did in high school. And they said, we're going to make this fun. You know, that was the big thing. Like Travis Fisher and those guys, like they're going to get out there and they're going to like playing football again. And so I, I believe they're being genuine with this positivity. I also wonder if that's part of the idea of just building up like a good feeling in your program for football. Like you guys are working hard. Maybe, maybe they're still 28 points worse than Ohio State. I don't know. Nobody knows that. But right now in August, August 8th, whatever date it is, you're working hard, and we're going to praise you for that. It might be that simple. Yeah, uh, you could definitely definitely be on we, to something. We, so we got a chance today to see, see some practice for some. About, some, about a half hour. Um, we'll get another chance next week to see some practice. Uh, what kind of stood out to you guys from that little window? Um, and I'm curious to – I mean, you guys saw a little bit of practice from previous coaching staffs, both of them, the last two. Uh, what stood out to you that was maybe different about this current staff? And just, I mean, we, we give the question a lot on the board of, you know, what, what's the feeling like around the team? Are guys actually excited, this excited? You know, what's the, that kind of intangible feeling right now? You couldn't really see tempo in what we watched today, but just watching them do the, the line stretching and some of that, I mean, there was just a lot of pep to it i mean there's a lot of talking there was a lot of excitement from it um it felt significantly more organized does that make did either of you think that or am i off on a a far-flung branch here it just not that practice felt more organized but sort of that the line stretching the all of that just felt like it was more cohesive and you know very regimented and i that was kind of interesting and then the rest of it, I mean, some of the stuff that jumped out to me, Nebraska's got a ton of defensive linemen. They have a ton of defensive linemen, and they all look pretty good, like physically better than they have in the past. And then, you know, you see Mick Stoltenberg wandering around dwarfing everybody. Uh, and then you've got guys like Vaha running in the third unit. Junior. <laughs> Vaha Junior. Uh, you know, and he, he physically looks like he can help. I mean, I don't know how good he is, and I don't know how healthy he's going to be, but you know, from a size standpoint, that's a guy that's going to do something. He's a bus guy. He's coming off that bus pretty quick. <laughs> but the thing is, you see him standing next to Stoltenberg, and you're like, they're playing the same position? What yeah. is this? So, uh, and then Damian Daniels looked really good. Uh, I was just – the defensive line and its depth, you kind of forget about because they're just sort of this unit that's been maligned a little bit the last couple of years, but – they they jumped out to me. I spent quite a bit of time watching them. And then I liked the whole uh, drill that they were doing. And I don't know if either of you guys were on my end of the field when this was happening, but every defensive player had to partner up. They, they had a run. They had a football attached to a string. And the defender had to rip the ball away within eight yards of going down the field. And so they, they partnered up with it. And, I mean, just stuff like that, you know. Maybe that seems super simplistic. But that could result in getting into the mindset of punching at that ball when you're trying to tackle. I mean, Nebraska didn't force a lot of turnovers last year. UCF, they certainly did. And and I don't recall seeing a drill like that under the previous staff. They might have done some of those things. It just wasn't when I was around. But that kind of mindset, I think, is going to help that defense. 
it's it was interesting watching the offense. I was on the opposite end of the field from you, but there's no I and mean, we saw this in the spring a little bit too, but there's just no wasted movement in in the practice. I mean, there's not a lot of guys standing around. That was something that I think you saw a lot of under the the previous staff that, that there wasn't a lot. Like basically if you were a first or second team guy, you probably weren't going to be that engaged in a they pretty, were standing by us. A, a pretty large chunk of practice. And, I mean, nobody wants to stand by us, especially if you're, you're wearing pads. No. Um, but, you know, once they got into the, to the kind of offensive install, I mean, it was in and out, in and out, you know, full line switches. I mean, it was kind of like a hockey game almost. Uh, and, and I think that's when you start talking about the feeling around the program and the feeling of the players – I think that that's one way that you keep everybody engaged, keep everybody happy because guys are they feel like they have a chance to win snaps. They're getting snaps to show what they can do and and you're engaged the whole time. I mean, you're you're not just standing around twiddling your thumbs holding your helmet. I mean, you got to be ready to go. And I, I think that's the thing that back to last spring and even now is still pretty remarkable to me is, is the different in pace, difference in pace and the organization that they have when they practice. And, and that's only from seeing a very small window of it, too. Well, the drill Mike was talking about, I think it captures guys' imaginations. I mean, there's some drills in football you've seen where you can tell guys aren't really into it, and maybe it's not even a straight line to like what happens in a game, what they're doing. And so guys, I think, have a hard time, like, why are we spending seven minutes on this? You know, as opposed to you're trying to rip the ball out, punch the ball out in a little drill like that. That's very specific. And you're picturing, I could make this play against Wisconsin, like in the third quarter. I could knock the ball out of Jonathan Taylor's hands like this. This has used to me. And Mick Stoltenberg talked about that even before the spring with Zach Duvall, how even the lifting stuff and conditioning stuff was tailor-made to football movements, and it all connected in a straight line where it's very easy for people to see, yes, I see how that applies to what I'm going to do on Saturday. And I, I think that's a big deal. And then the other thing I guess that stood out to me, they, even since the spring, it's that remodeling thing we're talking about. They look like a I'm not saying they look like a big league team yet, but they, they look better. They're just like eye test better. Like you look around, you see Caleb Tanner, you see Miles Jones walking by you, Maurice Washington's darting around, and you're like, okay, they're, they're piling up some dudes out there. When you even see, and I wasn't spending a whole lot of time on the offensive side, but when I was over there, and you see him go in motion like every single time he's out there, Tyjon Lindsey right. just looks like he is a totally different used weapon in this this offense you know like he was he had a good fall camp last year too it wasn't like he was just some guy that that never got any use during fall camp I hadn't seen him until now um I didn't see him at the summer camp stuff because I was on vacation well you guys were working hard but he he definitely looks the part too and uh when you when you think about just some of the true freshmen that that could make a difference right away and a guy who maybe could play more than the four games he he would be on that list are there some other guys you are thinking about when it comes to those freshmen where you you saw them out there today and you're like man okay looks pretty legit uh i think that caleb tanner is likely going to whether it's in special teams role or whether it's in 
uh, full capacity is is going to be a guy that's going to get some reps, and that's saying something because of how deep the yeah the linebackers that outside linebacker area is. But he's got so much raw talent that I think they're going to try to find ways to utilize him. And then it gets kind of hard because I don't know if Tate Wildeman or Casey Rogers are are going to be able to crack through a pretty deep defensive line at this point. And then on offense, you got those two tight ends in Legron and, and Jurgens. I don't. I could see Legron maybe before Jurgens at this point, but I don't know if either of them are likely to play a whole lot. I think Cameron Jones at safety could have a nice special teams role. C.J. Smith was bigger than I thought he was. Uh, I don't know if either of you saw him today, but he's pretty well put together physically too. Moses Bryant is another guy that I could just see in a special teams role Mm -hmm. earning a lot of playing time, and that's someone that we didn't get to talk to Travis Fisher on Monday, I think, is when he would have gone. And and I look forward to that chance that we get to because Moses Bryant is really interesting. You had the the running backs – and and the defensive backs both wanted him. And I think the DBs won out because of the numbers the running backs have in that room right now. But they like him a lot more than just your typical, you know, walk-on at this point. And I, I think you're going to see him involved in the mix too a little bit. Not so much at corner, but just in special teams. And being a coverage unit guy, I could see him as a gunner or in that kind of role. So I, I think there's guys that are going to play that maybe don't have super well-known roles at this point or, or super ones that you're going to highlight, but they're going to go over that four-game limit. It's interesting. It, I think we've talked about it before, too, that when you walk around on the sideline before a game, and especially a Big Ten game that Nebraska's playing against Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan, whomever, th- there's a there's a look to those guys who you're like, okay, th- this is a – this is a team of dudes. Like this, they have guys that look like physically impressive players. I mean, I, the the example I always use is that defense that Michigan State had a few years ago with Golson and some of those guys. You're like, this is an, a physically imposing team. And you know, Nebraska, I think for the last few years, it frankly kind of started to look like Illinois or Indiana a little bit in terms mm-hmm. of you know that that physical imposition. And you know, today it's early, but. You know the the gains that some of those guys made. They look like totally different players now. Um, you know, you mentioned the defensive line. I think you've got some really imposing guys there. I think you've got. You, you look at that wide receiver position. I mean, you, there's some guys that I think are going to be that, that that wide receiver group. And this isn't you know new, but I mean they've got a chance to be one of the best in the Big Ten, if not the best. I mean, just top to bottom. Uh, you know, guys like Justin McGriff shows up who looks like he's 24 years old uh and he's probably your what sixth or seventh best wide receiver in that room Mm -hmm. um so it's they've got weapons they've got depth at certain spots and i I, that was kind of the thing that jumped out most at me on the offense was you know at least playmaker wise they they seemed like they had some some dudes finally uh and not just you know one or two or something like that which they kind of had in the past as we talk about all this, <clears throat> there was one line Scott Frost said at Big Ten Media Days in Chicago that when I stepped away from it, I kept coming back to. And that was when he said, they better get us now, when he was talking about the competition. And obviously, within that comment, you kind of read, okay, there's some transition involved. He's saying maybe you'll you'll get us here this year, but not next year. But I think even to say that, the more I've thought about it, 
there's some confidence in Scott Frost that he's got a squad this year that he doesn't think is just going to get rolled over. Because otherwise you put that out there and people are going to take advantage. They're going to say, okay, we will get you. You know, we'll, we'll run it up on you. And I, the more I think about it, I think it connects to the press conference last week where you heard the seniors saying, I don't want this to just be like we're going for seven and six or something like that. That's not satisfying. And Frost telling his guys, I, I don't want you to think that way. I want you to guys to chase the, the big prize, you know. So I, I, I seeing what's out there on the field and some of those guys and putting it to some of the words, I, I, there's a reason I think they're confident. I'm gonna. This is a very tricky question in a lot of ways. Besides just the coaching staff, what is so different today than in August 2017? Because there was a lot of excitement for people going into yeah. that season, and I, I know that myself going into the spring, I was like, all right, well, there's going to be all of this talk about the offense and how different everything looks, and you know, I, I got to be able to parse through some of this because. That was a team that got beat badly on the field, often. Beat up. And a lot of those guys are back. And there has been a lot of roster changeover, so that's part of it. Is it because they just look so physically different, or because there's just this confidence exuding from almost all of these areas? I I think the strength part's a big thing. Like It's hard for us when we're over there last year at this time. You're looking at an offensive lineman and you're thinking, yeah, it's a big guy, you know, you, you can't compare him to anything, but now you like look at some of those linemen and think about what they look like a year ago. And you're like, Oh, okay. He wasn't really as built up as he might've appeared. You know, you, it's, it's hard for your to gauge it. Cause it's just, there's nothing to compare it to when you're looking at them on the field in August. And it's the same way. Now you could say, I mean, we don't really know how they stack up, but if I were to boil it down to one thing that I think's changed, it's strength. I think they, this staff immediately looked at that roster and said, this is not Big Ten strength. They just are not, they're going to get pushed around unless we just drive these guys like nobody's business in these over these seven or eight months to lift like they haven't lifted before. Going to be, it's going to be trouble no matter how clever your scheme is. And so I think that's their biggest source of confidence. And I also, I think with all we've said here, we also know, I mean, I think they'll get humbled pretty good at one point yeah. this year. And then, then you, you have to see what you're really made of when you have that game where you get taught a lesson. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's not even counting the fact that whoever wins that quarterback job is going to be running out there on September 1st for the first time in college football to take a snap. Um, I mean, there's there's so many other variables that go into that. And, and I, I think that, to your question I think what's different is that it just feels like there are smaller detail type things that are being accounted for now that weren't a year ago and it's the summer stuff it's Zach Duvall requiring guys to eat at Memorial Stadium it's you know doing the little things of you know wanting to practice in the morning because you know it just seems like there's a lot more thought behind a lot of things and a lot more organization that before was left up to players to do on their own to eat right to get sleep to do you know whatever but you know you've seen a lot of Scott Frost and the staff saying you know no you know this is how we're going to do it 
and we're going to do it this way because it's worked. We know it works. And, you know, I, I think that eventually will be what will lead to success for Nebraska is that when you start doing those little things consistently, it, it pays off in the long run. And is that going to help them go to Ohio State and win this year? Probably not. But that's why I think like it, it just seems like there's a lot more kind of unity of purpose in some ways for what they're doing and why they're doing it than maybe what there was a year ago where it just felt a lot more happenstance and haphazard. Well, is that uh, fair? I, no, I, I think that's absolutely fair. It's just it's hard because I, I wanted to go to you guys because when people ask me, I have a tough time explaining what exactly is different from a team that went four and eight and got blown out of most of its losses to a team where there's legitimate expectation of they flip that to eight and four. Um, and I, I don't know if they're going to go eight and four, but that, that seems to be sort of where the confidence might be lending itself. So I, I just, I wonder from, from what you saw, and we've seen a very limited amount. I mean, I don't want to make it sound like we've seen any more than the 35 minutes we had this morning. We haven't. Right. Like that was, that was it. And of those 35 minutes, you barely saw interaction between the two units. So you were basically seeing a lot of skeleton work and a lot of, you know, lighter work and then some stretching. So it's not like we we got to see everything, but it's just there's certainly more confidence in a team coming off of a 4 and 8 season than last year's at 9 and 4 team with a quarterback that everybody was pretty high on. So it's just a I'm just trying to mentally parse through what it is that that has it like this. And it's hard it's really hard to know I mean, when you think about this, the numbers from last year on defense and just how atrocious they were in so many stats, as much positivity as we've pumped out the last 20 minutes or whatever, that is an incredible project to build off of. I mean, from where you're starting and how bad they were in so many categories. And so it's an interesting question in front of us this fall is like, how much does a change of mindset like alter all that you know just like a simple like somebody else you you got a leader who changed them the way the brain waves are working of guys on the team what is, how does that translate and it's i don't know i've never seen a husker off season with such a transition like this so it's hard to know exactly what to expect D- defensively it's interesting too because if you go back i mean that that last mark banker defense there's a lot of guys on this year's team there's that were on that defense too and they were pretty good and that was a if you go back and dig in statistically that was an okay defense i mean they they got pushed around by some teams they got they had a horrible ohio state game yeah and then struggled against iowa and tennessee to finish the year but otherwise were good most of the year yeah i mean it's that's what's going to be interesting because the a lot of the players are older they're the same players but to go from being okay and, and you know having that season that they had in 16 getting your head just absolutely beaten in in 2017 and now those same guys going to this new defense I mean it's kind of how that all plays together is going to be really fascinating and I mean we've argued at length about you know if they're going to be worse than last year or better or whatever but uh that, that's a it's a feels pretty whiplashy when you really kind of think about the three years some of those guys have had during their college careers yeah as much remodeling has gone on you think about who could start against Akron 
And we're looking at the D-line today. D- Freedom, Stoltenberg, <laughs> Carlos, Carlos Davis. Davis yep. Okay, those names sound familiar. Even the backups sound they, they familiar. Like, they like Luke Gifford, you know, like the last staff did. I think he's going to have a big say. Maybe he's starting, you know, Tedrick Young yep. in the middle. Yep. Aaron Williams, Antonio Reed possibly at safety. Right. Lamar Jackson corner. You go through the whole list. There might be like 10 returning guys on that defense for all the talk of new parts. Yeah. No, I, I – I completely agree, and that was one of the, I mean, skepticisms I had in the spring as to why we should expect it to be wholesale different. But you sprinkle in enough, and the attitude change could be a big part of it, and the voices of who they're hearing when they're out there on the field could be a big part of it, and certainly Duvall could be a big part of it. But I think that's the most interesting conversation you get to have this month is what, why it's going to be different. Yeah, and... If, if Scott Frost is what people think he can be in this profession, and he is one of those guys who's just, like, ahead of the game when it comes to game planning and can outsmart the other guy across from the field, that's, that's worth quite a few points every week, you know, just, just simple scheme. And even back in the spring when they were talking about, like, the O-line play and playing with a fast tempo – that covers up some holes. Maybe maybe you do have some warts on your old line, but you're playing so fast that the defense isn't set, and maybe it makes you look a lot better than than you are. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely can't hurt, right? Nothing can hurt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, I think your, we are going to no, – no, you I'm getting recruiting? a different signal. It's you, not the one I was getting before. You want to talk some recruiting? We can we can talk some recruiting. Was, there's there's a few things that happened. Let's talk recruiting. What happened in recruiting this week? Nebraska picked up two commitments, uh, two guys that are very very talkative individuals as we've experienced over at Husker twenty four seven, in offensive lineman Michael Lynn out of Denver, playing for Cherry Creek, and then defensive back Quentin Newsom, out of Atlanta North Gwinnett High School, one of the top schools in that area. Newsom is one that I think people expected because he had come out on a visit. The other teams he was considering, Auburn and Georgia, I don't think he had the green light to commit there. Nebraska excited about adding Newsom because of his versatility. He can play safety. He can play nickelback. He can play cornerback. He's basically Deontay Williams-esque in a way in that they can move him around and he's got a a big frame. I mean, 6'2". 190 pounds, I believe, already, and and there's a lot you can do with that. And so I I think they're excited about adding him. Michael Lynn is the interesting one to me because of what it does going forward. You now have Michael Lynn at six foot seven, 300 pounds. You have Matthew Anderson at six foot six, six seven, 250 pounds. He'll probably be 280 by the time he gets to campus. You got two bookend tackles, and they're going to take five linemen in this class. They can go all out after someone like Anak Vihami, Vimahi, Vimahi, probably Vimahi, uh, or, yeah, neither of you, I got know, neither of you care. Sounds good to me. Or Bryce <laughs> Benhart um, from Minnesota. Those are their two ta- tackle targets. They can spend a lot of time and a lot of effort working on those guys because they've already got two in the fold that they like a lot, and Anderson and now Lynn. And you have Bland, who is your – Desmond Bland is your one of your interior guys. So that other spot sort of becomes this 
maybe you wait and see who emerges senior film. Maybe there's somebody in state of Nebraska. Maybe Ethan Piper ends up moving over to the offensive side of the ball. I mean, there's just a lot that they can do with only having to fill those two last offensive line spots. And it it really creates sort of interesting scenarios as to how Greg Austin and, and company are going to attack that. They're now at 16 commitments. I think I have them projected at 24 for what they're going to end up taking. I feel pretty strongly that that's going to be right in the neighborhood. Maybe they're at 25. I don't think it'll be any less than 24. So with eight more total spots, two of those as offensive linemen, three of those as defensive backs, you're getting into scarcity, and it's going to make it – you get these guys coming out for visits. You're Jamison Williams, a wide receiver they hosted here last week. All of a sudden, you know, if you're between Nebraska and Ohio State, who doesn't have a head coach at this moment, you're looking at this a little bit different knowing that there's maybe one spot total. Like if this is where you want to get on board, let's say by the time he visits, it's the Purdue game. And if my prediction of Nebraska beating Michigan comes true, they're 4-0 in the top 25 <laughs> with his offense and Scott like Frost at coach. I, I like that you threw that in there. Yeah, well, I mean, I got to I gotta pump up myself. Nobody else will. Yep. You guys sure. certainly will. Well, don't. it's not correct yet. Yeah. They I'm just saying. I'm yet. playing out a So matter of fact. Scenario. They could be 1-3. and three. They could be 1-3. <laughs> and three. I haven't attached my name to them being 1-3. When Nebraska three, beats though. Michigan and I'm dating a supermodel in September. <laughs> <laughs> Look, that could be true, too. I'm not going to roll that out. But I'm just saying, when you have that kind of scarcity and then these guys come in for visits, we're in an entirely different format of of how they're going to recruit going forward than what they have experienced from the moment they've been here. From the moment they've got to Lincoln, it was, you basically have a blank canvas and you better start getting people because... You know, it's almost signing day in December, and then it's almost signing day in February. Then you don't have any commits in April. I mean, you got three local kids. Where are all the commits? And now it's a totally different feeling. Like, it's just a very – it flipped very fast. From Scott Frost talking about how they didn't want to fill up too fast to all of a sudden there's a third of their classes available to to add players to. So it has moved quickly. I think that – shows the work that they put in this spring and uh, summer. I mean, they got a lot of guys to campus. And I don't know if we've talked about that enough. A lot of unofficial visits. And now all of a sudden they get to pay for people to come out. You're going to get a display of this offense. Maybe you're knocking off people during the season and you're looking good. I mean, it's just a – it could be an entirely different look for recruiting that we're used to seeing because it – it can be very slow covering recruiting during the season. And it won't be that case if they're able to get some top-level guys in who want to check out what's going on and if they have the scarcity factor to go with. I think they're going to have a lot of opportunity to make some hay in 2020 this fall too. I mean, it just feels like they're set up to do that with some of the offers they've made. The fact that they've got I guess I wouldn't say that the 500-mile the radius is loaded in, t- in 2020, but there's some guys in it's the area that, that Nebraska's targeted and already gotten on campus that you're going to have a chance to, to do some more work with in the fall. So that will be interesting. Do you – go back to the tackle discussion, do you see JUCO? Do they go JUCO at the tackle no, spot? They don't. I think they are – I think they got the one junior college guy that they were going to get. Uh, and that was in the interior. I just don't – and maybe a need pops up, right? Like maybe that changes 
in October uh, versus right now. But I would say right now, I don't think they're going to go that way because some of that depends on what happens with your tackles because you have two sophomores starting. So if you're bringing in a junior college guy, is, is Farniok for sure moving inside? Or do you have somebody in like Matt Sichterman that you think could be a starter? Or are you, you know, Danielson EK, is he, could he be a, a potential starter for you? Could Bryce Benart be a potential starter? For, so it's, I just don't know if the need for a junior college offensive tackle is there right now the way that we thought it was in December and the way that it would have been for this season. So here's a question for you because I'm, I'm curious. I was curious to see how this, asking me this year would go. Yeah, I've Maybe got Brian wants to ask a question. No, no questions. Okay. Um, <laughs> so when, when signing day rolls around in December, what percentage of Nebraska's class of that total is going to be wrapped up at that point? Is it is it going to be like P.J. Fleck, the, the boat's full? I bet they have or? four spots left. And there could be attrition from this class too. Like I don't want to make it sound like everybody, all 16 already – committed are going to be there in December. I mean, that never happened, so why would we, why would we pretend like it would? Okay. I wouldn't be surprised at all if the month of January is there's two to four spots. There'll be something. They're not going to finish this off in December. I just don't see any advantage of doing that, especially if you get really hot uh, on the field or on the recruiting trail and people really want to play for you. And we also don't know what percentage of guys aren't going to sign in December this year versus last year. I mean, there's there's so many questions that go into that. It, it's really interesting to think about. But I think any team would want to keep at least two to four spots, plus whatever attrition sure. pops up or guys going to the NFL or whatever it may be. Going to the NFL? I mean, Who's going? Who knows? Maybe someone has a really good year that's unexpected. I don't know. Like a Mike Hughes type? Could be. I mean, Greg Bell just – Rips off 1,800 yards and 22 touchdowns, six of which come against Michigan in a blowout win. After they, hit, they hang 75 on Michigan in the big house. Yeah. And I'm just texting you guys the whole time just saying, see, see. Yep. And then Jeff Brom brings Purdue in the next week and beats Nebraska at home, and I'm texting you guys, see, see. I have most of the season played out in my head as to how Jeez. it's going to go. So they're going to be 4-1 and one after September? That's pretty good September. With a loss to Purdue? Well, Purdue's okay. I've never seen an offensive line like that, a dejected Rashawn Gary said in his locker room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had to think about like what you were what you were getting at there for a second. I was like, is this a real quote? No, that's what's gonna happen. When they when they bring that band up the tunnel past the visiting media members, it's just going to be the saddest Michigan band ever, is what you're saying. And we'll be out of breath after sprinting. They at Michigan Stadium, you can't walk on the sacred turf. The yeah. media can't right across the field, which would make it so simple. We had to sprint in the last minute. The last time we were there, Bruns was on our yeah part of the gr- running group. Yeah. We, we were <laughs> drafting off of each other. It was so far. Barely made it. We made it the post game and sweat. I would think that polos. would play well for you. That I mean, you would just have to move from your normal walking pace to a brisk jog. But there, there's like a hundred th- in the field. There was a hundred thousand really pissed off people yeah, on ticked. our way. Yeah, uh, yeah, I could see that. Michigan memory. That, that last game was the uh, Amir Abdullah, yes. Tommy Armstrong, Tommy late pitch. Yeah. yeah. And then the time before that was probably the greatest one quarter defensive performance by an individual Nebraska defender of the last what twenty years. Levante David, 17 tackles mm. in the first quarter. 
You said 2011? Or, yeah. Or else Michigan might have hung 70 on yeah. Nebraska that day. <laughs> Was there a punt blocked in that game? Yeah. 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 Nebraska also roughed the punt. I don't remember yeah, that 2011 was, game at all. The the power went out in the press box that day. I remember you being mad about that. And and there was one working power strip in the entire place. And they had like this horrible little – there was one outlet. It was like a tiny little power strip that people were like – people were going to murder each other over <laughs> access to those that power. Tim Beck also ran that trick play. They <laughs> handed it to Burkhead who pitched it to Abdullah. For the touchdown, yeah. and Urban Meyer was an announcer that day. Oh, and I've always wondered because Urban Meyer was like so taken by the play. I remember watching the game back. He was like, "Man, I've never seen anything like that." I always wondered if that like got the ball rolling to get Tim back to Ohio State. Well, there's <laughs> that that shot. They they pan back to Jeff Garland on the sideline when he's sitting there looking up at the at the scoreboard. I think Brady Hope. Jeff Garland <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> He, he just kind of mouths like, what the F? He yeah. just kind of like throws his hands up after they yeah. saw the, what happened on the play. Uh, the Brady Hoke era. Yeah. Jeff Garland. <laughs> what, a, what a time to be. This podcast is now off the rails. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, I don't really have anything else to add recruiting-wise. Okay. There obviously can't be any visitors until September 1st. Nebraska lining up official visitors right and left. They'll have a good group in for Akron. It sounds like they're going to have a good group in for Colorado as well. We'll certainly have more of that at Nebraska dot yeah certainly have more of that at husker247.com there you yeah, go get used it's to it. company it's hard guy. it's hard company guy I, oh, i'm trying i'm trying husker247.com anything else we want to add no i don't think so Good. this thing finally over you guys got any predictions I, i've given several okay brian do you have any what? hot what, what you got a we? michigan prediction uh i think i think michigan's a sleeper this year i actually like them Interesting. Everybody's down on them. I think they're kind of like everybody's punching them right now, you know, and beating up on Harbaugh. And I always – I say watch out for teams like that. I think their defense will be really, really good. Yeah. So, will their so offense be good enough? Good, yeah. I think they'll be okay. They have some pretty good receivers if they can just get a guy who can kind of get them the football. And Nebraska Ooh, hosted all of them. Was it? Nebraska hosted all of them a couple of years ago. <laughs> it's true. This is true. Uh, Brunch, do you have any predictions you want to throw out? Uh, Random ones. I don't think Nebraska is going to win it, or is going to lose at home to Purdue. I'll say that much. Okay. Big limb. Yeah, I know. That that it. That's all. Like that's all the crystal ball could find for you. Today. Yeah, it's hazy. I'm tired. <laughs> I got no PGA picks. I got to look at the uh, field. Here's a prediction. Shoot, Nebraska will get one more commit before the season starts. Okay. I'm not telling you who it is either. Ooh, it's a hell of a cliffhanger. It is a cliffhanger. I'm going to be able to Maybe sleep people tonight. at uh, Husker 24-7 Sports will be able to, to you know, read about it. Do you have a name in mind? Oh, I do. Okay. I mean, I think you know which name it is anyways. I don't. You don't? No. Well, I mean, we discussed it recently. I know. Were you not paying attention again? Uh, I might have been half listening. <sighs> always happens. Nobody listens He's to on me. like two hours sleep, so. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. All right, well, we'll let Bruns go get some sleep. Uh, we will be back with you next week. We'll have plenty of practice stuff. Scott Frost talks on Friday. Coaches again on Monday and Wednesday of next week. We will have stuff every day. So be sure to check out Husker247.com.